blessed of the Lord. You can be seated. Good morning. Four of us are awake. I said, good morning. Good morning. I have a couple of announcements this morning that before I get started in preaching, because most of the time by this point in the service, I just get to go right into um, preaching this morning. I want to give a, um, a couple of shout outs. One, uh, both in our first service uh, from our first Baptist heritage, um, as Pastor Gray mentioned, a lot of times I'll be somewhere and somebody will say, thank you for what your church does for the homeless. And pre-COVID, we would do showers and breakfast and laundry that we would start on Tuesday and it would end up on Wednesday. But, you know, Pastor uh, Gray made mention of Harvey and Jane Stipe. Harvey, we just prayed for the infection in his leg. But you know what? Uh, we wouldn't have a homeless ministry had it not been for uh, an influence from them uh, to uh, move people into action. So can we put our hands together and just say thank you to Harvey and Jane? We're not able to do this for every birthday, but you know, um, sometimes when you hit milestones, it's worth us mentioning. And Ray Dunn from uh, uh, our First Baptist Heritage turned 90 in, um, in November. So could we wish Ray a, a happy birthday? Now let's see if I can get through some of these uh, other announcements fairly quickly. We have 36 turkeys. We had a few left over from Thanksgiving. Then a family donated a whole case of turkeys. If you want to give someone that you know uh, a turkey, a blessing that says for Christmas time, you know, they may not have uh, uh, the means to get a turkey. You have those means. All you have to do is go and talk to um, Courtney out in the foyer and there's there's 36 of them available, so keep that in mind. We are going to have our Christmas service on D. We're three Sundays away from Christmas, so we're going to have our Christmas service on the 20th. So look at your neighbor and tell them, on the 20th is our Christmas service. And we're going to do our best to make it snow again somewhere on our campus. We try to do that every year. We got this big snow machine. And, you know, a lot of times your kids or grandkids have never seen snow. So a lot of times we shoot it right out of that opening right there. And everybody comes to the front and gets some pictures. And then you tell everybody from uh, up north that you may be related to that. We had snow here in Fort Myers. And it's a lot of fun. But if you haven't been to children's ministry, it's incredible this morning. It looks like Disney World over there. They have done an incredible job uh, for, for uh, Christmas. But what we're going to do for the 27th, we want to break. I, very rarely do I emphasize attendance. I had to learn a very um, painful lesson about attendance. I want to break our attendance for December the 27th. And this is how we're going to do it is that we know that that's a Sunday that a lot of people go out of town to visit family and experience the holidays with family. So what we're going to do since COVID has uh, introduced this online service experience, we are going to have a virtual 
online service on December the 27th. And what we want you to do is tell us where you are, where you're worshiping with us, and how many of your family members. Because a lot of times we pray for our family members during the holiday times to come to the knowledge of Christ. Wouldn't it be wonderful if you were in a living room, in, let's say in Texas or, or in New York, and all of a sudden you're watching the Christmas message uh, in that holiday time, that December 27th message, and your loved one right there in the living room gets saved. Wouldn't that be incredible? It would be one of the greatest. So we want you to just continue to invite all of your family. Please join us on December 27th. Now, we got some special um, guests with us this morning. First of all, our missionaries from Bolivia, Tony, Gabby, and their daughter, Naomi, are here from Bolivia. Can we make them feel welcome? And also, Mr. and Mrs. Foltz from Tabernacle of Praise are visiting with us today. Can we give them? Now, something unique happened, and we're going to pray one more time, and then I'm going to make an incredible announcement. This week, some of the families of our church asked for prayer. And what it concerns, it concerns the holidays and concerns COVID. We've had uh, several, not people in the church necessarily, but people connected, family members of people in the church that tested positive. And that has affected their ability to go to work. Well, this is a bad time not to be able to go to work, you know, to miss two weeks during quarantine and things like that. And I know that there's some federal provisions that we're looking into to see if we can assist some of those families going through that. But we're going to pray for those families experiencing that. And secondly, we had someone's mother get diagnosed uh, with COVID. And to my surprise, there was a shortage of plasma uh, at the HASA and the Lee Health Systems. Those of us like myself that have recovered from COVID, now our plasma can help bring recovery to others and there's a shortage so if you like me have had COVID and have tested positive and you have an opportunity our hospitals need your help so I wanted to make mention of that so let's pray Father I ask you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit just to move upon our hearts and Father as we go into your word I'm excited about all the things that you've put upon my heart to speak to this congregation So God, help us to celebrate this announcement in just a moment and then help us to dive into your word and let your word change us, each and every one of us, beginning with me. And I give you the praise and honor in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. I'm fixing to introduce you to a couple because they're gonna change a little bit of the fabric of CityGate. You know, my life has been impacted over 18 years. My kids went from 13 and 10 to grown adults. They will actually turn 29 and 32 this year um, in December. So I'm excited. Just a couple of days, they're going to experience birthdays. Well, both of them got married. A long life journey. I inherited a, a family from Jacksonville slash Texas with David's marriage to Aaliyah. Uh, actually, Anne and her family are from here, but they've lived everywhere. So let's just say that. They're from here. But then, Dave, uh, then Joshua... He married Melissa, and we introduced to the Pleasant family a different culture. Melissa, her parents, her sister, her brother, um, they're from Mexico. And they brought that flavor to our, our, um, our family, that 
Uh, you know, and it, it, the story gets better. The story gets better. And so don't judge Melissa, and please don't write me an email since this is going out online. But we had a significant moment because with that blend of culture come a moment this week of praise. And so Melissa was driving. Mila was in the back seat with her brother Levi. And she, the song that was playing, I could recognize the tune. It was called Waymaker. But she wasn't singing it in English. She was singing it in Spanish. So she got the phone and was... Let's say she pulled over on the side of the road and was no longer driving. And she was videoing Mila in the back seat. And she was just singing this song, Waymaker, in Spanish. And I thought to myself, oh, man. Because, you know what? We take buses throughout our city. One of those places is Calusa. And we're really effective in ministering to their children because they're bilingual. But the adults, we cannot because we're restricted because their primary language is Spanish. I've had a couple come and say, Pastor, we don't want to start a Spanish church. We want to join CityGate. And we want CityGate to have a Spanish-speaking service. Not just so we could separate those that speak English and Spanish. We want to to be a, a, a diving board into cultural change that allows us to worship together. Because everybody, if I started playing Waymaker, could sing it. And can you imagine the day that when we have Spanish lyrics on that side and English lyrics on that side, and we're not saying, okay, you sing the first verse and we sing the second. When we sing together as the people of God in the language that is our primary first language. So on January the 10th of 2021, Pastor Fernando and Maria Costa are going to start a city gate Espanol where the service is in Spanish. So would you welcome, I just wanted to introduce you to Pastors Fernando and Maria Costa. And Pastor, if you'll just tell them how excited you are. Praise the Lord. Good morning, City Gate. Buenos dias, City Gate. That's the first lesson. <laughs> We're so excited to be here and to be welcome to City Gate and be part of City Gate family. My wife and I are so happy to be able to. Like I said, be part of the Seagate family. Not only that, but be part of the vision that Pastor David has for this city of Fort Myers to open Seagate to other cultures, to other ethnic groups, including the Hispanics. I firm believer that the that the Lord blesses. But one thing he does is when you start blessing others. You are blessed. And I think that City Gates opening his heart, its heart to the Spanish community in Fort Myers. Blessings are coming. Blessings are coming to this place. So spread the word, share the word, not only of the 
goodness of the gospel that Jesus saves, but that now in City Gate, there's going to be City Gate in Espanol. God bless. Amen. I'm excited. Now, I'm going to start a series called Christmas Classics. And part of the classic experience of Christmas is Christmas carols. How many of you know Joy to the World? Amen. Few. How about Emmanuel? Know that one? Well, today I'm going to preach about those two Christmas carols and how it connects to Scripture. And what, why should we have joy? Where does it come from? How can it be taken away? And before we did that, I just wanted to have some fun. I can't really sing, so I've recruited those that can. You don't even have to stand up. You can if you want, but you don't have to. But will you join us? And let's just have a little bit of fun and sing joy to the world. Let's give him a hand this morning. In Luke chapter 2, it's kind of the basis of that song, Joy to the World. And it reads like this. In the same region there were shepherds in our field, out in the field, 
keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around about them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I ask you for the anointing of the Holy Spirit to now touch our minds and hearts that we would be forever changed through the power and the authority of your word. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. Let's talk about that announcement. It's outside of Bethlehem, middle of the night, group of shepherds. If you've been to any Christmas play at all, you have seen the shepherds, and all of a sudden, there's that person, you know, three girls, and they're in white robes, and they're singing joy to the world in that Christmas play. But there's more to it than just a declaration. See, God is sovereign, and that means God can do anything that he wants because he's God. That's what sovereign means, that there's nothing that limits his power. He can do anything and do it any way he wants to simply because he's God. So look at your neighbor and tell them God can do anything. But most of the time he's sending us a message when he's doing something publicly. When he's not just speaking to you at your house, but when he's doing something for all to see, and especially doing something that is going to be recorded all time in Scripture, he's doing something on purpose. See, the moment that Jesus was born in the culture in which he was born into, you know who was at the lowest position of the socioeconomic totem pole? A shepherd. That means that God could have, the father could have announced his son to the royalty of the earth. He could have picked to decide to send angel after angel to the palaces of the empires of the world and declared that his son was coming to earth. But he did not. He could have went to the temples that scattered the landscape. He could have went to the and sounded the trumpet and the voices of angels to the ears of the priest and those that officiated over that temple and said, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, the son of the mighty God has arrived. But he did not. He chose a field outside of Bethlehem. There's some significance about that field. It was a family field, most theologians believe. They believe it was the same field that Ruth met her Boaz. And Boaz become her kinsman redeemer that brought her from a position of loss to owning the field. Out of that union, in that field, she had a son named Obed. Obed had a son named Jesse. And Jesse had a son named David that would later become the king of Israel. When the prophet showed up at the house, where was David? He wasn't in the house he was out in a field and a lot of people believe that this field is the same field that they ran and got David out of because we know that Joseph his family was tied to this region through relationship and it was probably a family field because we know his family had a history of being shepherds because of David's experience And so not only did 
the angels declare the joy of the Lord, the coming of the Messiah, the promised one, the one that the world has been prophesied, prophet after prophet, thousands of years of promise had finally been fulfilled, but it wasn't even in the daytime, it was at night. Wonder why? Because how many of you are royal? Now, I'm not talking that you're a part of the family of God and part of it. I'm talking about naturally you were born into royalty. Anybody, we got any royalty here? Any princes or prince? Nope, we're good. Let me look up in the balcony. Nobody has a, I saw two hands go up and then they said, nah, maybe not. How many of you have climbed the ladder? See, maybe some of you, maybe a few of you thought that maybe your success in business or your success in life has brought you to a place of position of power. Maybe you have employees that, that you know, you kind of give direction to every single week. But you know what? Not all of us do. And what this is symbolizing is that God's son didn't just come for the rich and the powerful. Didn't come for royalty necessarily. He came from, for everyone, the powerful and the powerless, the rich and the poor, those that had positions and those that have no positions, those that are at the top of the socioeconomic ladder and those of us that may be in the bottom. Because I relate to those shepherds because I'm neither rich nor famous. And many of you aren't either. And there's been times in my life where I have felt like God is a million miles away and through whether it was my rebellion, disobedience, whatever it was, maybe it's just trial, a challenge. I felt like that God may not even know where I am at the moment and God was so sovereign in his declaration. He said, I could find the people that you believe are the lowest of the low and then they could be hidden under the shroud of darkness and I know where to tell an angel to go to the exact field, even under the cover of darkness, to the people nobody else would go to and let them know that the Savior has come for them. Just like me and you. He didn't just come for the good people. Because guess what? There really aren't any good people. Because it, even if there was, you know, you say, well, pastor, there's good people. You think they're good enough to go to heaven? Could their good works ever have gotten them there? No, because I guarantee you their mistakes far outweigh the things they've done right. And so I'm glad that he didn't decide to take us to heaven through our good works because I'd have never got there. Anybody else with me? Say amen. Amen. But he come to tell us, and the moment that he tells them, he tells them, he, he says, I bring you great tidings of great joy for unto you today is born a savior. Christ the Lord and what that literally is interpreted to mean is the world now has a deliverer a master and an anointed king the promise has been fulfilled he's finally come and now it's not something we've expected we're expecting it's something that is here for the right now and he's saying that source of information has brought joy to the world. So if joy was such a great part of this announcement, what is joy? And do you really have it? And if you got it, can it be taken away from you?
See, I think there's things that rob us of our joy. I think that most of us start out having a little dose of joy. And most of the time, joy gets assaulted in our lives by the enemy. And he wants to distract us from what we truly have that is meaningful for us. And one of the first thieves of joy is fear. Did you ever notice that when the declaration was going forth, the first thing that the angel addressed was fear? Now, the shepherds had good reason to be afraid. I know many of you don't act like you're afraid of anything, and sometimes I even act like I'm not afraid of anything. But let me show up tonight at 2.30 in the morning in your living room while you're going to get you a drink of water, and then when you're going right past the couch, I go, hey, unto you this day in the city of David is born a Savior. You will lose your mind. I do that every, almost every single week. I know I've got a warped sense of humor. I get here really early, but so does Pastor Dawn, and she's up there doing her thing, and I'll sneak into the room and go, Dawn, and she just jumps every time. So I know you think you would be full of courage, but if I showed up in the middle of the night and just like flipped on this tremendous light and started saying your name in your house, how many of you would at least respond with a little bit of apprehension Say amen. But the angel knew how devious fear is and how it can rob you of your joy. And before they even gave the announcement, they said, fear not. Let's deal with the fear right off the bat. Let's make sure that you know that we didn't come here to hurt you, that we didn't come here to identify you as somebody that's done something wrong. We've come on behalf of the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of the complete universe, the one that spoke everything in existence, and he's decided you are the ones to hear it first. Be of good cheer. The Savior is here. It's no longer God up there for us. He's now with us. Can somebody say say amen. Because up until that time, the nation of Israel knew God was for them. It's all of us that weren't born under the heritage of the culture of Israel. If we weren't born Jewish, we might not have ever known. They kind of had an idea God was for them. But God wanted to do something incredible. And so he attacked fear by bringing this great declaration. God is no longer way over there, up there, somewhere. He's now here. And that should bring you joy. Well, what else can rob people of their joy? Discouragement. You know, that discouragement that comes when we start to compare. And I use this analogy in first service. You know what? If I woke up every day and decided that I was going to measure my success against Pastor Stephen Furtick, one of the greatest pastors on earth at the time, but he pastors like 25,000 people. Guess what? I do not. And so if I was trying to compare my life versus his life, I would have a problem with discouragement because if I valued and said that my success was based upon how many people I pastor, he's always going to pastor more. But guess what? God does not ask you to be anybody else. He does not ask you to try to follow in anybody else's footsteps. He's made you unique and wants you to actually be you. Amen. Somebody give him praise there. That's good stuff. Because discouragement, man, it's like comparing yourself to that neighbor that, never can, that you never can compete with. 
And it's comparing, trying to, the enemy uses discouragement to try to tell you, one, either you deserve more or they got what you should have. And that brings us discouragement. Because a lot of times, I had an elder one time give me some great advice because we went through a period, there was a period of time where God was teaching me a little bit about pride. Yeah, (laughs) that's usually a painful lesson. And in that moment about pride, I got really angry because there had been a few families that left the church and it hurt me and I got angry about it. And after service one Sunday, an elder come to me and said, Pastor, you preach kind of mad today. You were kind of, you know, focused on people that weren't here instead of loving the people that are. And I'd been put in that place by discouragement. And I want you to know that you can be discouraged. You can lose your joy through fear. You can lose your joy through discouragement. But here's the one I'm going to hang my hat on. And it's going to be probably the most strange of all the list. Deception. Deception can rob you of your joy. Look at your neighbor and tell them deception. What do I mean by deception? Deception is that thing that happens when you expect one thing but you get another and you feel mistreated or taken advantage of and in that disadvantaged position brings embarrassment and later followed by anger. Let me give you the perfect example. I can take a little toy fishing rod about this big, hold my phone close enough to it, take a picture of it, put it on Craigslist, and sell it to you for $100. And out of you, when you send me the $100, I'll send you the fishing rod. And when you get it, if you paid $100 expecting to give a gift to one of your family members so they could go fish and a two-inch toy shows up, you're going to feel deceived, right? How many of you would be angry? Say amen. Yes, I would be too. But, you know, that's what happens. Because the first thing that the enemy uses in this area of deception to rob us of our joy is the allurement of sin. He always promises you that whatever is outside the boundaries of God, that God's trying to keep you from something great, and he's never wanting you to have fun, which misidentifies God. First of all, it's a complete lie. And secondly, he's always promising that if you do something outside the boundaries of what God set for you, it will bring you fulfillment and joy. The problem is he lies. Because have you ever noticed that when you start down the path of habitual sin, the one little thing that you thought, well, grace will cover that, and you go one step, and then grace will cover that, and you're two steps, and the next thing you know, you're 10 miles away from where God really designed you to be one step at a time, and every single step you thought was going to fulfill you and bring you joy, and every time you took a step, it became empty and hollow, and what the promise was never was fulfilled, because you have to keep trying to sin. The Bible even says sin can bring contentment for a moment, but the chaos that comes after it outweighs the moment. 
So you're lied to and duped, and this habitual sin never brings you the moment. Now, many of you know my public testimony that I've done a lot of things that were probably under the banner of addictions and and that there are promises to those of us that have gone through addictions that the enemy tried to give us. Like, all you got to do is find fun in this. Find fun in somebody. Find joy in somebody until that somebody's gone. Now you've lost your joy. Well, anybody ever besides myself ever tried to drown their sorrows with alcohol? And you, you drink and you think, well, I'm going to have fun because I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to numb out some stuff that really hurts me. The problem is, is when the bottle's empty and you wake up the next morning, you still have the same issues that you had before you took the first sip. Now, I'm going to say something right now. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm probably going to get some emails for. But I want to make a point. Because <clears throat> you've never heard a pastor tell you to go out and drink. But if our ills and our anxieties and our stuff could be healed by a bottle of alcohol, I'd buy one for everybody. <laughs> but the problem is, is when the alcohol is gone, the real problems show back up. Because the bottle can't solve it. Neither can drugs, because I've done them. Because you ever, know, you ever talked to an addict and said one drug was enough? Like, man, I was really depressed. I, I got high, and man, it cured me for the rest of my life. No, man, they got high and had to go get high again and had to go get high again, and then they got high then felt guilty and shameful because of what they've done that they promised that they would never do again, only to start the. So it didn't bring joy. It brought chaos. But there's other deceptions that maybe you haven't really suffered from alcohol abuse or drug abuse or maybe you didn't try to find your joy in other people. But you know the enemy, especially during this holiday time, tries to convince people that they're alone. Huh. So let's first deal with loneliness. It's very real, by the way. Let's don't minimize it. But loneliness only exists in the human realm of lack of what they're talking about when they're thinking about loneliness is they are saying, I don't have a lot of other human interaction because the feeling of loneliness is very real, but it's a deception because how can you be somewhere if God is omnipresent that he is not? And so where could you go to be alone? According to our faith, God's everywhere at the same time, right? So there's nowhere on planet Earth you can go, or even up in the space shuttle that you could go, that he is not there, right? David declares that. He said, you can go high as you want to up in the sky, or as low as you want to in the sea, and yet God is there. There is no way you can get to a place where you are alone. So the enemy will try to distract you from the presence of God by covering it up with the lack of presence of another human being. You can play something softly because i got to land this thing soon. <laughs> We've had a lot of preliminaries. I'm going to tell you a story of how deceptive that is, and I'm going to hurry through it. 
I was preaching a message in Stark, Florida, one of my first messages on a Sunday night. Many of you that have been here for 18 years have heard portions of this story. And a car, I'm preaching. I'm, I'm, I, now, I was a screamer then. I had on my suit and tie, and man, I had screamed and preached the gospel for about 30 minutes, and I believe everybody in the place had at least once got saved, sanctified, and filled with the Holy Spirit all at the same time in one service. I mean, I'm just preaching this thing. Sweat, spit, it's happening. Car hits a telephone pole, telephone pole falls, lights go out. Okay? Okay? I can't preach in the daylight. I can't preach in the light, more or less in the, in the dark. Elders come, put lanterns on the thing, turn them on. They're like, okay, Pastor David. And this dear saint of the Lord saw that <laughs> I was losing my joy because I had been discouraged by the lights coming out and I was fearful of what was ahead of me. And she stood up and said, Pastor Dave, can I, can I give a testimony while you get your thoughts together? I said, yes, ma'am. Her name was Mary Faulkner. And at the time, she was 88 years old. She had memorized the New Testament, by the way. That's what I said. Wow. I was teaching one time Acts chapter like 5, and I had lost my place, and she just from the thing just started quoting it. And I said, yeah, listen to her. Um, <laughs> she said, I'm 88 years old, and I used to really struggle because I always wanted to get married, and I've never been married a day in my life. I said, okay, Miss Faulkner, preach on, dear. And she said, yeah, and I found myself thinking I was alone because I didn't have a husband to share life with. And then she said, it dawned on me, I could marry Jesus. And he became my husband. And every evening when we ate dinner, I would make my dinner, I would sit at the dinner table and I would talk about my day with my husband that I could not see. I thought to myself, oh, this is getting even better. I'm about to get saved. Just tell me to raise my hand. She said, Pastor David, I've never been to the doctor a day in my life. I said, you're 88. She drove till she was 98. Good husband. <laughs> I don't know what that means for all you and me guys that are natural husbands. I mean, we may drive our wives crazy. Maybe that's the, maybe that's the issue that they got. I don't know. <laughs> we finally found the source, Shell. It's me. <laughs> she said, it isn't that I hadn't been sick. She said, I've never been to the doctor. Because for 88 years over dinner, Every time that I found myself sick, I told my husband and he healed me. And I said, oh man. See, loneliness is real when you're only contained into the world of other people and interaction's very important. And I don't want to minimize those of you that may feel lonely, but the deception is when you think that that's going to bring you joy. When you already have the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that is with you every step of the way. So God sent his son to the earth to tell us it's not just good enough for God to be for you. He's not up there in the stands of heaven clapping his hands saying, David, we're cheering you on. No, he sent Jesus to say it wasn't enough for me to be over there just cheering you on. I sent God to be with you. That's what Emmanuel means. 
God with us. Matthew, the writer of the book of Matthew, tells Joseph, you're going to name him Jesus, and he will fulfill the prophecy of being named Emmanuel, God with us. But that's only the second part in a three-part problem. A three-part process. That's a better way to say it. Is that God the Father was about to now do something with his son. He was going to go do what me and you could not do. He was going to live a perfect life. And the shedding of that perfect blood was going to be the Lamb of God that took away the sins of the world forever. No longer did we have to hide with the blood of atonement from the, the blood of lambs, rams, and doves. But now I could stand exposed being covered by the blood of Jesus once and for all. It wasn't a once a year process. Now the sins of the world no longer had a hold on me because God sent his son to do a work that I couldn't do and you couldn't do, but he did it for us. And that's why he went all the way to the cross. It wasn't enough for him to come and be born in a manger as a babe wrapped in swaddling clothing. He had to turn into a man and that man had to go to a cross and that cross had to be conquered by perfect blood, a man without sin. And then he died for you and I to be heirs and join heirs of the family of God. Then got up from the dead to tell us we can have our inheritance and we can have eternal life. Can somebody say thank you? But he didn't stop there. He said it's not enough for God to be for you. It's not even enough to God to be with you. But I'm going to do something that's going to make God be in you. Listen to what three scriptures say and then we're going to pray. If you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask of the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Somebody say forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him. You know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. Somebody say in you. Do you not know in 1 Corinthians chapter three that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? Paul to Timothy says this in 2 Timothy. By the Holy Spirit who dwells with us, guard your good deposit entrusted to you. How can we be deceived in this moment of deception during the holiday times? Because most people start thinking of the, the discouraging thought and that puts a self-worth on them that's way down here. When you have to realize that God didn't get satisfied by just coming and being with you, he wanted to live in you. And now the very thing that you think is way down here is the dwelling place of God, the Holy Spirit. How can that be anything less than incredible? You are never alone. You are never less than. And the world may say, you don't have two dollars to change and that you will always be identified as poor. Let them know you are royalty because living inside of you is the deposit of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit that has enabled and chosen you to be his dwelling place. Well, I'm going to be shameful about the worst mistake of my life. Don't be because God knew, God the Holy Spirit knew you had done it before you even did it and decided to come live in you anyway. Well, I messed up back when. He still came. Not to mention that scripture tells you old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. You are a new creation in the sight of God. Hmm. See, our joy 
is not what you can afford to put under a tree three or four weeks from this day. Because if joy was found in that, no matter what you bought when it disappeared, broke, or fell apart, your joy would break and fall apart and disappear too. How many of you have ever had the example, because I love to give gifts, man, that's one of my love languages, but I I have spent hundreds of dollars on Christmas gifts for my children and grandchildren. And you know what? There have been times where I've spent hundreds of dollars and they played with the box more than I did, they did the toy that I bought them. Anybody else relate? Say amen. Because the joy wasn't what was in the box. It was who was bringing the box that brought them joy. It was the love relationship that they had with their family. So you are not going to find the source of joy with a gift underneath a tree in a couple of weeks. You already have the source of joy living inside of you. Don't be deceived. God sent his son to be with us. His son sent the Holy Spirit to be in us. And he lives in you. Your source of joy is not the people you're going to eat Christmas dinner with. Your source of joy is not how many presents are under the tree. Your source of joy isn't even that it's a holiday. Your source of joy is that he cared enough to do all of those things to redeem you and to redeem me. Lead us in worship. Just a whisper You breathe in me a new song You take me back And I remember The joy of my first love And praise will be
I really want us to grab hold of this thing called joy. And I want us to fight for it. Remember what I said about the deception of of comparison and if I compared my life to a pastor like Stephen Furtick and his life seems to be so much different and bigger and mine is not. First of all, if he called and said, I'm going to go do mission work for the rest of my life and I need you to pastor elevation, I would say no. This, This is my family. This is where I belong. But have you ever noticed that God the Father will speak to you sometimes as his children and that fatherly voice is not always kind? It's sometimes stern. I've raised two boys and sometimes don't do that was not enough. Sometimes I had to get a little sterner. Here's how he, because I used to really compare myself to others that had different sizes congregation and I would say God I want to do this and do that and do this and do this and do that and there was only this many people here today and he said well I was there wasn't I enough yeah the next time the enemy says you're by yourself and you're lonely and everybody's forgotten you including God listen to the little voice and you'll hear him say I'm here I'm here before you're talking about, before you're reacting to who isn't here, let me just take roll. God, here, I'm right here, present. And for those of you that are saved, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand in just a moment that you're going to say, I am not going to be deceived. I'm not going to be deceived by shame, comparison, habitual sin. I'm not going to be deceived by allowing confusion to bring um, discouragement to me and my discouragement leading into fear. I'm going to hold on to my joy throughout the holiday season because my joy doesn't come with my Charlie Brown tree. It comes with knowing that God's right where I am in me. Amen. How many of you will say, I want that kind of joy? Raise your hand. Amen. Now put your hand down. We're going to pray in just a second. For those of you that may not be saved and you long for the joy that I've described, this is what you have to overcome with the deception of the enemy. See, I've went places that nobody should go. And I've done things that I'm not proud of. And every time that I would do something like that, the devil would whisper in my ear and say, you've done too much now. He'll never come here to get you. He's forgotten about you. He will, he's too holy to come here. He's too holy to forgive what you've done. He's too holy to forgive what you've done with other people and to other people. But I'm here to tell you on the sands of Panama City Beach, when I thought I was so far away that he could never reach me, he showed up and said, hey man, you thought you were alone. I'm still right here. And it is that moment that changed my life forever. It is not that you say a prayer and repeat after me. That's not what saves you. You raising your hand does not save you. It is an act of faith. But what saved me and will save you is when you acknowledge I'm a sinner and I've been messing my life up long enough and I've been walking in this direction. To repent means turn away from and go in the other direction. And to finally acknowledge everything you've promised me, devil, has never fulfilled and I've never had the joy you promised, but I've got a God that's never left me. So I'm gonna turn around and I'm gonna start being a Christ follower and following him and the enemy's gonna whisper in your ear, the moment you wanna do that, 
that, he's going to say, you're going to get up and look foolish. And then you're going to fail next Tuesday and he's going to throw you in hell. You don't have to be perfect. He was. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you want to start a relationship today with Jesus, you are going to pray and confess that you are a sinner in need of a Savior. And out of your mouth, you're going to say, I need you to forgive me of my sins. That, uh, that deals with Romans 10 and 9, that I am a sinner and I believe in who you are. You went to the cross. You paid a price I couldn't pay. And you resurrected from the dead that I could have life eternal. You don't have to remember all that. Just say, I'm ready to follow you the rest of my life. I'm tired of living in this direction. I'm ready to turn around and go in another direction with every head bowed and every eye closed if that's the decision you want to make. That you'll never have to take another step alone. He's everywhere. You want to get saved today? Will you raise your hand so I can pray with you? I see that hand all the way in the back. Everybody open up their eyes. This is probably going to change my ministry forever. This sermon. Everybody raised their hand when they said they wanted to hold on to joy. One person raised their hand to get saved today. One. And you know that's all that was necessary. Because we don't celebrate just when 10 people do it and just when 100 people do it. Aren't we just as passionate when one person does it? Father, today I pray for that one hand that at this very moment, we're not in Panama City anymore. They're right here in Fort Myers. And now the book's coming to life. It's not a Bible story anymore. It's not the God that was for Israel. And now because he's for Israel, he wants to love everybody else. And he sent his son to be with us to save the world. And then his son sent the Holy Spirit to live in us. It's not just that anymore. It's not just a story, but now it's real life. Because right now, the same God that enabled the apostles and enabled men and women of days gone by, enables the men and women of God right now, now is entering into the heart and life of a person right now that's confessing their sins. You are just to forgive them of their sins. And now they are the, being deposited the power of God, the Holy Spirit, right now in their life to live forever. And I give you the praise and honor and glory for every one of those other hands that said, I'm I'm going to fight for my joy. I'm not going to be deceived. I'm not going to let fear, discouragement, or habitual sin rob me of my joy. I'm not going to try to find joy in things. I'm going to find my joy in whose I belong to. And I give you the praise, honor, and glory in Jesus' name. And everybody at City Gate said, Amen. Amen. God bless you. Have a great weekend.